Hey, Chris. Hi, Caroline. Do you think this is the most out-of-pocket, sexy Daniel Day-Lewis movie ever made? <laughs> um, probably more so than Lincoln, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I would have liked a loincloth Lincoln scene. You know, Lincoln, favorite... the lumberjack years. You know, you know my favorite part about that scene. <laughs> There's absolutely no reason for him to be <laughs> in that loincloth. There is no reason for that man to be practically naked. None. I, I forgot how steamy this movie is, but as I was watching, I was like, Caroline's gonna love this. What? <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll talk about it. Okay. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Snubs. My name is Caroline Young. And I'm Chris Massarelli. And this is a show where we talk about different Oscar years, what films were nominated, and where our favorites should have fit in when they probably didn't. Um, this week, we are talking about uh, 1992. Yeah. 1992's uh, The Last of the Mohicans. And Caroline's going to pull up the year right now, 1993. Mm -hmm. oscars um but before we get into all that uh christopher how was your week uh my week my week was fine uh and then it turned great once we have the second coming of bob Iger. oh uh, my gosh <laughs> i i saw i saw a tweet saying daddy's home ah <laughs> uh, our friend of the pod uh bobby Iger is back <laughs> he went to our college our weird little small college in upstate <laughs> new york and boy, do they like to remind us about it. Oh, every day. You walk into our building where we like <laughs> spent most of our times. It's like, Jesus. And it's funny because the picture that is like right there in the front of the school is if you Google Bob Iger, it is the very first Google image result. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, that'll do. That'll do. They didn't look around. <laughs> um, and I, I did watch some movies this week as per usual. Uh, I watched Hugo. Okay. First time? First time. Okay. What'd you think? I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy a good movie about movies. Very uh, Spielbergian for a Scorsese movie. It is. Very much so. Uh, then I watched Moneyball. Did you love it? Of course I did. <laughs> of course I did. And then I watched The Iron Lady. <laughs> All right. And then I watched uh, A Better Life. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. No. Uh, it's about uh, a couple illegal immigrants in uh, L.A., uh, like a father and a son trying to get through. It's very good. It was uh, quite, quite, awesome. quite good. That's How was your week, Caroline? It was really good. I had a pretty good week. Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, got some good news on Friday, so that was exciting. And then uh, I got to spend the weekend with my friends. Christopher was supposed to come, uh, but his car decided to say no. Yeah, I will be getting a new one later this week. Yeah, so Christopher <laughs> didn't get to join us in our friend group in a weekend in our college town, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I watched one movie. Do tell. And it was uh, Pop Star Never Strong. <laughs> Why do you keep watching that movie? Why? It's not that good. Why are you doing this? You know why? Um, were so, you home alone and you were no, scared again? No, it was as a group. Oh, okay. Um, it was that in makes a group atmosphere. We were all watching, wanted to find something uh, to watch. And Christian and I wanted to watch Boogie Nights. Um, I thought that would be a fun movie to watch as a group. And then... Uh, Someone asked if there was any trigger warning stuff. And I was like, oh, like trigger warning. Someone commits suicide in this movie. I totally forgot William H. Macy like shoots himself in the head. And I figured due to the group that I was about oh to, I feel like that wouldn't go over well. Um, and then we tried to watch Hot Rod, which is the direct opposite of Boogie Nights. <laughs> and they didn't have it on streaming. So uh, we we settled on Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stop. Wow. So that's the second time you've watched that movie in as many months, I believe? Yeah, like four weeks. Wow. The first time was 
my own fault. The, <laughs> the subsequent time was a group decision that I was like, eh. Based on some of the egregious choices this friend group has made in terms of movie watching activities, um, this was one of the least bad picks. Well, good. I'm glad. Um, and then I watched The Last of the Mohicans. Again, I'm busy. Wow. Must be nice to have a life. <laughs> yeah. Every time you come on and you see all these movies, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, I also you should watch be. a lot of, I think I also watch a ton of stuff with my family. I watch a lot of shows with them. So I don't really always get to like, me watching a movie means me isolating myself from everybody else, which I don't really want to sure. do. That's how um, I just end my night lately is I just pop on a movie and yeah. assess that. We have different living situations yeah. right now. I've watched all almost all of The Crown now. Like, you know mm. what I mean? I, I haven't started the new content. season yet. It's I really gotta, good. Yeah. I, gotta, I heard yeah. rumors it wasn't very good. And then I started watching. It was like, oh, no, it's great. Okay. Um, so I'm up to date on The Crown. Okay. Um, in Jeopardy. Watching I that know. tournament. Our girl, I, our girl. Okay. Sorry. That's my bad. But also. Yeah, that's on me. I was going to say, I haven't watched the last few episodes, so I do not know who won. Who's to say? <laughs> you! <laughs> but Oopsie. you're not talking about Jeopardy. No. We're talking about a, a Michael Mann classic. I watched That it. apparently Instagram loves. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Our, my phone has been blowing up all day. <laughs> Because people are so excited about this episode for some reason. We're doing the last of the Mohicans. So before I, I say anything about this, <laughs> I want you probably loved this movie. Yeah, I thought it was really boring. It was it? Did you think it was good at least? I, I mean, I, technically, yes. I okay. thought technically it was really well done. God, that third act. Yeah. Ryan was like, how much longer? And I was like, longer than I want to be watching this movie. And then I brought it up to someone at work and they were like, that's one of the best movies ever. I'm like, have you seen it since history class in high school? <laughs> it has. I will say I probably haven't seen it in like seven or eight years. Did you watch um, it in history class in high school? Because this had big history class in high school vibes. I don't I don't think I did, actually. Daniel Day-Lewis is acting his heart out. As per usual, I read, I'll say it now because I was reading up on this movie. He, method actor of the century, Daniel Day-Lewis, lived in the woods for several months before making this movie. <laughs> there is nothing in that script that required him to do that. <laughs> what? Why? He, he lived Lincoln, <laughs> Lincoln makes sense. You know what I mean? Lincoln sure. makes sense. Um, there's certain movies that he's done. I'd say there will be blood even. He lived in the woods. Like this movie is not dependent on oh, a Daniel Day-Lewis performance. Where a no. lot of Daniel Day-Lewis movies are dependent on how good he is. Sure. Where that is not the case at all for this film. All he needs to do is do half the effort and the movie is the same. And just there's do a lot of running. Could have gotten Tom Cruise in there with the amount of running he's doing. Jesus Christ. I know we already brought this up. I know like that this is our intro, but I have more <laughs> notes. Um, Holy shit. He was in good shape. <laughs> oh my God. I showed people at work this picture and we all gathered around a screen looking at this one screen cap of him in that loincloth. You <laughs> sent me... Just the screen cap with no context at like 3.30 in the afternoon. I was bored to tears by this movie. But I cannot express how much, how worth it this film was for that singular shot of January Day-Lewis. <laughs> with the hair. Jesus. That's his real hair, right? He probably grew I'm it I'm sure. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. He's not a wig guy. Are no. you kidding me? Uh, speaking of, Robert Dana Jr. shaved his head. I was so upset. I saw it this morning. I was so confused. I was like, who the hell is that? It looked like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm not, you're, you didn't hate it, it sounds like. I didn't. I mean, I, I object. I did not like it in terms of the, like, enjoyment factor. I can sure. 
I can recognize good filmmaking when I see it, Mm -hmm. things done well. But in terms of like enjoyment, I will never pop this movie in on like a rainy afternoon (laughs) ever. This is what I believe would happen if a man wrote Pride and Prejudice. Uh, I'm um, right. It was based on a novel. And I looked at the, like who wrote the novel? A guy. And who wrote the script? A guy. And Pride and Prejudice's script and it's, source material are both written by women mm-hmm. uh, for for context the the plot of this movie is uh three trappers protect the daughters of a british colonel in the midst of the french and indian war okay this okay I'd, I'd like to go off of that all right the first 20 minutes of this movie are confusing as shit yes my brother kept asking me questions. I was like, give well, me a I'm not pe- sure your brother is the best because no. um, he, he just found out about 9-11 this weekend. <laughs> he didn't just find out about it. I think he just found out about the details. He could have also been doing a bit. Sometimes he does that shit. Um, but the way he was talking about it, like, are there videos online? Yeah. Like he just found out the it was Pentagon a, got it, hit. It was a major world incident oh, that Ryan. shaped global politics for the next 20 years. <laughs> yeah, there's a video of it online. Like he's like, really? I'm like, I am positive. 9-11 Pentagon question mark? I, I can totally see I believe Mark Wahlberg would have stopped 9-11. I don't disbelieve it. Um just the right amount of misplaced confidence. Um <laughs> Just the same kind of misplaced confidence to cast Mel Gibson as your father in a <laughs> in, in a, a movie comedy. Now. <laughs> um, yeah. There's the the first twenty minutes of this movie. I it took me a hot minute to kind of orient myself. Honestly, same. And I've seen this movie before. And then I got into it. It's like kind of a romance story. Yeah. Once yeah. I realized that, I was like, all right, I'm on board with it. And then we saw probably the worst sex scene I've ever seen in my life. They weren't even kissing. They were just like necking. I'm you know, so glad you point that out. Nothing's happening. It's just a lot of like hugging. Vague hugging. Like and, nothing's happening. And when they're kissing, like... They're not they're, Both of their lips disappear, and they're like, how is that possible? But he's been living in the goddamn woods for months. He's in incredible shape. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, like we said, weird hugging. And then the hugging didn't stop. And I watched, like, this scene with my mother and my brother. I'm like, I'm not even uncomfortable because nothing's happening in this it's scene. It's just confusing. It's just, like, people's necks on each other's necks. Yeah. It was yeah, super it's, weird. It's strange. Um, super weird. Shall we shall we jump I'm into sorry. the No, you're good. <laughs> um, this movie's funny. It's this is... like Can I ask okay, what you're like this is heat episode energy. Well, it's Michael Mann. Yeah. Michael Michael Mann brings it out in us. Um what did you think of the <laughs> insanely brutal scene where the British were leaving the uh, the fort and they were completely attacked from all sides oh that was a lot and yeah. then n- nothing since sorry i know we're gonna get into it but nothing sent me more than the, the jumping over the cliff <laughs> <laughs> he fell for for so long did you see him gliding through the air <laughs> um Anyways, why the fuck did he commit suicide for so... No, he didn't commit suicide. Yeah, she <laughs> did, because Mog was like, come here. And he, she's like, I'm a dip. That was so dumb. <laughs> she, They didn't know each other. Apparently. So I did, I did, when I was doing my research, what I found was originally Michael Mann's original cut of this movie was three hours long. And apparently, I felt like this movie oh, was three hours long. Then what they could have cut, most of it. Apparently, a lot of uh, her role, the sister's role, uh, was left on the cutting room floor. She does not say a word. I don't think so. No, not really. Until like an hour and a half in. Shall we get yeah. to the Oscars? Yeah, let's do it. So this is a year we've done before, uh, but it was a, a ways back. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, if you if you're interested in checking out that episode, too. oh, that movie's way better than this. But I do want to keep 
I need to keep reiterating the point that at, objectively it's a good movie, and oh, I picked yeah. a good movie, and that's what's it's important. Objectively, to me like right well now. done. Someone told me this was one of the best movies ever made, and I was like, all right. I don't. I wouldn't go that no. far. It's got some serious pacing issues, but all right. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine how slow that three-hour cut is. Good God. Holy shit. Uh, I can't even imagine. Anyway, uh, I will say right off the top, this did win an Oscar, actually. It was nominated for one, and it won one. Um, for Best Sound, it be Unforgiven, Under Siege, A Few Good Men, and Aladdin. So it won for Best Sound. Um, but the nominees for Best Picture in 1993 were... So make sure I'm getting the updated things as well. The nominees for Best Picture in 1993 were Scent of a Woman, uh, ooh, <laughs> a, a spot previously held by Howard's End, now held by Reservoir Dogs, A Few Good Men, The Crying Game, and Unforgiven One. I've been I've been I've been thinking a lot today about where I'm going to make uh, nominations, and. Um, this is the category that I've been kind of struggling with the most, I think, is whether this is worthy of or should have been worthy of a Best Picture or not. Yeah. Because it's not unworthy. No. It's a tough group. In theory, Scent of a Woman isn't really good. I mean, The Crying Game, have you seen it? No. <laughs> I might. I might do it. Um, I'm going to do it because I can. Because I care. Um, I'm going to take out The Crying Game and put this in as best picture. We have talked about how it is for sure a flawed movie, uh, pacing-wise, but objectively, it's a good movie. Well done, uh, especially from a technical standpoint. And uh, yeah, uh, and an uh, acting standpoint. And an acting standpoint, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis has never been a bad, has never been bad in anything. Um, um, I think one of the things I love most about this movie is the practical effects um and like like when they're at the fort they very clearly built a fort um they actually filmed all this on uh cornelius vanderbilt's land down in north carolina oh, you've been even there, though right it, i've been to the <laughs> one in uh the hudson valley but never the one in north carolina for whatever reason michael mann thought that it looked more like the adirondacks than the adirondacks <laughs> Which is strange, but um, it's beautiful. Uh, and it's I, What's I this really man look like? Michael Mann. We're selling his book right now. I didn't know he had a book. Heat oh, my 2. Goodness. Oh, I didn't know that was out. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. That's so exciting. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't know. I had heard through the grapevine that he was writing a book sequel to Heat. Um, no, Heat 2 is out. Wow. It's been out. I didn't know that. <clears throat> I <laughs> So yeah, that's that's where I stand on best picture. This is a great uh, group of best pictures, especially since we added Reservoir Dogs in. Um, um, yeah. Speaking of Reservoir Dogs, real quick, I know we kind of talked about him last week, and then you sent it to me. He's uh, directing a a limited series. He's gonna do a limited yeah. series. Yeah. Tarantino. He's uh, he's making a move into TV, which on one hand is surprising because he has been so vocal about his dislike of its transition into digital, which has happened a long time ago, which is exactly what television is going to be. Tarantino is going to have to shoot on digital. I don't know. Unless he's going to shoot on film, which would be insane. Yeah. Um, no one's going to give him that kind of budget, no matter who you are. And then, um, but then I thought about it and like, I'm thinking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and he just clearly has a reverence for at least old school television. So, um I am. I mean, I'm gonna watch it. No, oh, for of course, sure. Everybody's Scorsese did it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's with everybody's vinyl and uh, Boardwalk Empire. So mm -hmm. I didn't know Scorsese did Boardwalk Empire. I knew yeah, he, he won vinyl, an Emmy but... for Boardwalk. I didn't know that was him. So yeah, let's go to director. The nominees for best director in 1993 were Good Luck, <laughs> Martin Brest for Scent of a Woman, Robert Altman for The Player. A spot formerly held by James Ivory for Howard's End, now held by uh, Quentin Tarantino for um, Reservoir Dogs, Neil Jordan for The Crying Game, and Clint Eastwood won for Unforgiven. Um, Michael Mann. He's 
good at what he does. He's very good at what he does. No, he's a good director. Yes. I think his movies tend to have pacing issues in general. I think there's a lot he wants to squeeze in. Mm-hmm. And um, his directing style, he loves a sprawling scene. Yes. He loves a wide shot. You know, he probably would have done a really good job with the Lord of the Rings series. Uh, his style of filmmaking is very similar to the way Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy looks, mm-hmm. especially the big fight scenes. Um, I was what I was going to say before we kind of moved into Oscars is this is a personal preference, and this could honestly be a very female preference of me to make. I don't really love massive fight scenes; they no, bore, sure. they genuinely bore me to tears. And I know you've had that criticism, especially with uh, Infinity War and Endgame yeah. we've talked about. In Infinity War, I fell asleep during. Because <laughs> um, I was like, half of this is just them fighting. I get bored by that. I'm so much more interested in like smaller scenes. The more What I liked about this movie and what interested me was the more intimate moments that were yeah. a little bit more character-driven um, instead of the more epic looking stuff not that i don't like an epic but um i don't really like when deaths feel impersonal Mm -hmm. and that is the opposite of um how michael mann thinks he loves these big sprawling fight scenes and these car chases and Mm -hmm. just things that are a little bit bigger and um choreographed a little bit for sure yeah um but he's very good at it he's, he's good he's good got, at it he's it got such really an good. eye for it um and the woods look great here the, the woods that daniel day lewis lived in <laughs> uh um truly beautiful i will definitely talk cinematography at some point um i think i'm gonna take out neil jordan uh i guess we're gonna just shit on the crying game in this episode okay for no real reason other than i don't like the poster uh no i can't but <laughs> Watch we see this movie and it's like this is the best fucking film I've ever seen. I'm not holding my breath. It's about uh, themes, race, sex, nationality, and sexuality against the backdrop of the troubles in Northern Ireland. It's probably excellent. Probably, but... I got a little nervous about if this was cultural appropriation before we even jumped in. It's not. No. At least I don't think it is. I don't think that... Uh, Let's let's talk about that now, actually. I, I tried to do some research today. Um, because there are a lot of Native American characters and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Native American representation in this movie. So I really wanted to try to do research and see what Native American communities have yeah. said about The Last of the Mohicans, whether it be the novel uh, or either the film adaptations, because this is actually a remake of a movie from the 30s. Okay. Um, and I surprisingly couldn't find much. I couldn't find any. I tried to do the exact same. I found I even... a term paper that you had yeah. to pay for and some like bullshit blogs i kind of looked into more modern reviews because mm-hmm. uh roddy tees will show you uh kind of more modern reviews of it and they were all like positive so yeah. i'm guessing people are okay with how this is aged sure um i will say i actually took a class in college i don't know if you know this actually i took a class called popular culture and indigenous peoples Oh wow! Uh, um, and it explored. It was a whole class about exploring how indigenous people are represented in pop culture. And you didn't movies, talk about this film. music. Well, and we really didn't. Mm-hmm. And but basing again, neither of us are of Native American Descent. ancestry. Yeah. Um, so it's not really our 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 place to speak on this. But based off of what I took from that class and. Other things that I've seen in the media, this is definitely one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's very good light, and yeah, uh, they are. There are Native Americans who are heroes, and there are Native Americans who are villains in this movie. Yeah, it's not really the point. No, it takes place during the French and Indian War. That's, yeah, it's just you know there were natives on both sides. Yeah, definitely, um, and it it certainly employed lots of natives. I read uh, there were 900 natives in, uh, taken on as extras for this and, movie. And they are natives. Yeah. And Daniel Day-Lewis's character is a white man. Yes. Like, that was adopted by Native Americans. And yeah. it doesn't feel like dances like wolves. No. No. It, it's not white savior at all. No. Not, not, not in the slightest. Well, obviously, there's probably so much to say about 
the matter, but uh, we are going to move on based on our um, ability to speak on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So are we going to talk about best actor? I think we should. I think Uh, we definitely should. (laughs) The nominees for best actor this year were Denzel Washington for Malcolm X, spot formerly held by Stephen Ray for The Crying Game, now held by Tim Roth for uh, Reservoir Dogs, Clint Eastwood for Unforgiven, Robert Downey Jr. for Chaplin, and Al Pacino won for Scent of a Woman. Hua. Um, I kind of had this conversation with Ryan okay. uh, yesterday. Uh, he asked me, well, he was very adamant. He goes, Heath Ledger's Joker performance is the best performance by an actor of all time. And I'm like, um, no, uh, he's great in that movie. But I don't even think he personally, I don't think he cracks the top 10. Um, it's a great performance, but of all time, he's doing a great job with the material, but of all time, I mean, we're talking about DDLs. We're talking about uh, Al Pacino, Sidney Poitier. Like, I think there's probably. That's a very, uh, that's a very like modern day, I guess, lens. Sure. And it's, there's definitely recency bias plus an added element of oh, what could have been. Yeah. Um, what, you know, the kind of career we could have gotten. It's, it's a great performance. I agree. It's an incredible performance. Probably the best performance in a movie like that ever. Uh, Without a doubt. It's a lot bigger, too. People mm-hmm. tend to be attracted to bigger performances because they're flashier. And that's not that. Listen, I think Heath Ledger's great as the Joker. I think mm-hmm. he's perfectly cast. And there will probably be never anyone that will measure up to that performance. However, like something like Al Pacino in The Godfather Part Two, which for Al Pacino is a very quiet performance. It's it's excellent. Um, but who do you think is the best actor of all time? Best actor. Yes. Is it DDL? When I say DDL, I'm talking about Daniel Day-Lewis. Sure. Um, For our listeners. From a from a solely a batting average perspective, probably Daniel Day-Lewis. And I was thinking that because I have a you preference. throw Brando in there. Brando has some stinkers, though. Exactly. That's the thing. Daniel so Day-Lewis. Al Pacino. Right. Jack and Jill, uh, for starters. <laughs> When you look at he's Dan- the best part of that goddamn movie, though I'll tell you, I've that. never, I've never seen Jack. Movie's not good. He's his involvement is awesome. For, I think from a batting average perspective, I'd say probably Daniel Day Lewis is the most consistently. He's never great had a miss. Actor, no, he's never had a miss. He's the most consistently great actor. I'd say. What movie was he in? Nine. People say Nine is kind of a miss. Nine is a very weird movie. Do you yeah. know what Nine is? I don't. It is a musical adaptation inspired by Fellini's Eight and a Half. He just said so much. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't like it. No. IMDb doesn't like it. It's got a 39 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, But it was nominated for an uh, Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Yeah. It's kind of weird. I don't know. It's not terrible. It's just, it's like, why are we doing this? Sure. Um, but besides that movie, which isn't is kind of, eh, mm-hmm. uh, does he sing in it? Does he can can yes. he sing? Yep, of course he can sing. His process is insane. Sure. Do you think he could do what he does without his process? I mean, there's always that story. Did you hear? He had like a very classical training as an actor. And he was doing Macbeth on stage, I think, in the West End in London. And he had, like, a meltdown where he, like, actually felt like he saw Banquo's ghost. See? He was so in it. Like, uh, oh, Daniel. But, Uh, like, here's the thing with it. He does insane shit, but he's not rude to people. No, he's not the Jared Leto route of method acting. Where it's, like, how he treats his coworkers is poor. Sure um but it's odd directors love it yeah because they're like it's just easier what are your thoughts on gangs in new york again it's a okay movie with cameron diaz severely miscast severely so and daniel day lewis is really good sure he got nominated for an oscar for that movie yeah well he has three which is that the most leading actor at oscars for a male 
let's find out. He was nominated for Phantom Thread. He won for Lincoln, won for There Will Be Blood, nominated for Kings of New York, nominated for In the Name of the Father. He won for My Left Foot. Oh, yes. We talked about this. My dad didn't understand. He had never heard of it. Yes. Um, Jeremy Strong was one of the people who had to carry around uh, Daniel Day-Lewis during that movie, right? Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is the only person to have only uh, male to have three best actor wins. Uh, Meryl Streep also has. Yes. Uh, there have been several who have two. Spencer Tracy, Jack Nicholson, Marlon Brando, Dustin Hoffman, Gary Cooper, Tom Hanks, Frederick March, Sean Penn, and Anthony Hopkins. I think he could do what he does without his process. I don't think he thinks he could do what he does without his process. I don't think process. he had to go fuck off and live in the woods for a few months before <laughs> he, he shacked up with Michael Mann. That's for sure. <laughs> do you think Michael Mann was just like, do what you gotta do? I yeah, don't care. It's like, whatever. Think, for sure. What are your thoughts? Do you think he'll ever come back to acting? He says he's done since The Phantom Thread. I don't know why he's done. Maybe because the pro- his probably process exhausting. is just so <laughs> Yeah, and but he's he out there seeing Banquo's to... ghost. He doesn't have to uh, do if it. I, if my job made me see Banquo's ghost, I also he's might such an interesting think about guy. leaving. He's the son of artists and poets, and he married Arthur Miller's daughter. Everything and, about him screams film sons, school bullshit, but he's not film school bullshit. All three of his sons, actors and poets and artists and filmmakers, he's not film school bullshit. There's something about him that's so classic. His performances are very graceful in Mm. a way that film school guys tend to like kind of things that are a little bit more irreverent. Like Christian Braille and American Psycho. What is your favorite of his performances? Is it this? I I love There Will Be Blood. It's There Will Be Blood. He's I mean, so he drinks your milkshake. He's so good in that. It's so much. Is he cooking? Absolutely, oh but it never feels unnatural. Mm-mm. He's very talented. He's also covered in tattoos. Like know. fucking Memento. So he can wake up and remember who he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Daniel, Daniel, if you're listening, and we know that you are. You know what? He never does on. an interview. He comes on snubs. Oh, my God. Oh I don't know God. if I'd know how to talk to him. I, I wouldn't know if I'd know who I'm talking to. You must love the Crucible. <laughs> That's how we met Arthur Miller's daughter. Was like doing research for the Crucible. That makes sense. Um, that's another thing. He's almost fighting against his own mm-hmm. Hollywood movie star handsome. He is he is Hollywood movie star good looks. He's objectively a handsome guy. Yeah, but this is the first. I mean, aside maybe the Crucible, where that's on display. I feel like this is the only movie Michael Mann's like, everybody's got to get a load of this. We're putting you in a little smock and have you frolic through the woods, you weirdo. My God, he lived in the woods for a few months. So dumb. Why would you? Daniel, we appreciate you. We we get what you're going for, but like, you don't have to do that much. He's, he has a natural talent. You could do a week in the woods. You could do... I think we've talked enough about him. I don't um, know if I can make a best actor case for that's this. That's silly. Though. Yes, you can. Yeah? And take out Downey? <laughs> can we take Clint Eastwood out for uh, berating a chair at the, <laughs> the Republican? <laughs> <laughs> berating an empty chair at the Republican National Convention? What the fuck was that? We haven't forgotten, Clint. It's been a decade, but we haven't forgotten. That is one of my favorite moments in celebrity pop culture history. Is Clint Eastwood, what, a 70, 80-year-old Clint At that point, he would have been 80 years old, yeah. 80-year-old Clint Eastwood berating an empty chair. That was, he thought was Obama or was pretending to be Obama. Clint, get it together, my guy. (laughs) I just feel like Daniel Day-Lewis didn't hang out in the woods for nothing. All right, we'll take Clint out because he did win two Oscars this year for directing and best picture for This is an egregious decision. My decision? No, this is an egregious decision. Like, we should take out Downey. Oh, but- oh, oh. But then, but then Downey's only Oscar nom is for doing blackface. Not in Snubs canon. I think we nominated him for Zodiac. But then we took him out for something else, I think, if I'm not, not for mistaken. For Zodiac. 
No, we didn't put him in for Zodiac. I don't. Oh, think. we didn't. Listen, the only re- you got to take someone out because the only redeeming part of this movie for me is him. Then you know what? I I love you, Robert Downey Jr. I love you to pieces. And one day when we one day like episode one day 70, when we see that goddamn bald movie, <laughs> we will put you in. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, RDJ. Um, the nominees for Best Actress uh, in uh, 1993 were Susan Sarandon for Lorenzo's Oil, Michelle Pfeiffer for Love Field, Mary McDonald for Passion Fish, Catherine Deneuve, Deneuve, uh, Den- Den- Deneuve? Deneuve for Indochine, and uh, Emma Thompson won for, excuse me, Dame Emma Thompson won for Howard's End. Um, what the fuck is Lorenzo's Oil? <laughs> It's a George Miller movie. Oh. With Nick Nolte and Susan Sarandon. Anyway. What are your thoughts on Madeline Stowe as Cora Monroe? Yeah, no. It's uh And here's the thing. It's not it's not her fault. No. There is absolutely nothing asked of her in this entire movie. Talk about this is what I mean by if Pride and Prejudice was written by a man. This movie is not great for women. I will say my favorite line in this movie was hers mm-hmm. um it is when duncan the asshole british general says you're Who defending looks like him Louis capaldi he does he uh duncan says you are defending him because you've become infatuated with him to which cora yells at him duncan you are a man with a few admirable qualities but taken as a whole i was wrong to have thought so highly of you <laughs> She doesn't bring much to this movie, and like that's again, and it's not, not her, her fault. fault. It's not her fault. Um, it's it's a it's a. This movie issue. is a movie about women needing to be saved. That is yes. the central plot of this movie. These women need to be escorted somewhere, and because their escort mm-hmm. is murdered, then Daniel Day Lewis needs to help them cross the war. Yeah, and then that plot ends halfway through. And then it's just yelling for the rest of the thing. Just a lot of people yelling at each other and slitting their throats. Lots and of scalping. Slitting, lot of scalping and slitting throats in this, huh? No, it's uh, it's the French and Indian War for you, I guess. I could have dealt without that. Yeah, this every time I saw scalp, I, scalping, I was like, oh, Caroline's not gonna like this. Mm-mm. Not a fan. Um, yeah, there's not much to add. She was in that show, um. On ABC years ago, Revenge. I never watched it, but it was that show with Emily Van Camp too. I, I think she was actually nominated is. for a Golden Globe or two. Uh, for really? That yeah. Um, I actually want to talk about supporting actor. Um, for West Duty. Oh, Magua. Magua, yeah. Oh, he's pretty good. Uh, West Duty actually has an honorary Oscar from the Academy uh, oh, that he amazing. got in twenty twenty. Um, he is probably. One I of the most him. prolific uh, Native American actors out there. He's in everything. Yes, he is. Um, so the nominees for Best Supporting Actor were David Paymer for Mr. Saturday Night, Al Pacino for Glengarry Glenn Ross, Jack Nicholson for A Few Good Men, a spot formerly held by Jay Davidson for The Crying Game, now held by Harvey Keitel for uh, Reservoir Dogs, and Gene Hackman won for Unforgiven. Are you planning on making that argument? He's not in it much. I I I think he actually brings a lot to this. I think Okay. I I, I think I can make an argument here. Okay, actually. great. I think I'm gonna take out David Paymer for Mr. Saturday Night um and put in West Duty here. Because I think, yes, at the end of the day, he's Magua is the villain of this movie. The the central mm. villain. While you might not agree with his tactics or his thought process, there's a there's also like a there's a understanding of the the pain he's been suffered to by the white man and like he's seeking revenge and again but not going about by fighting, it fighting but fighting for the french he's still supporting the white man his motive is right but his way of going about the motive and his thought process in terms of what he's doing is a little confusing just because sure. he's fighting against one colonizer for another colonizer. The French were colonizers too. Well, yeah, that was what the, the French and Indian War at its exactly. core was about, was about continental control. Um, Correct. So, yes. But I uh, I think West Duty brings a lot to that role. And okay. I think 
I I, I think I am gonna make make okay. him a nominee Fair. there. Works for me. This um, is the my cousin Vinny year. It's the my cousin Vinny year. It's uh, weird she won. A lot of people still think that that was a mistake. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love my cousin Vinny, but it's not a it's not an Oscar movie. She's it's, good in it, but it's weird it, she but... won. Mm-hmm. Look, don't get me wrong. I love seeing a, a good nomination for a comedy movie, and I just took one out. I took David Paymer out for Mr. Saturday Night. It's still strange that she won for that movie. Yeah. Um, We've kind of chat on the screenplay a bit just in terms of uh, pacing. pacing and, you know, the the perennial issue of men writing for women characters and how I don't they... mind well wait I'd like to go back I don't mind men writing for women no that's not that's what not, I'm I mean. not saying it's a I just a... I just have noticed that there seems to be a pattern of when women are written poorly it tends to be because it's becoming from a man's perspective mm-hmm. I've also seen great movies about women written by men sure you know sure absolutely uh, it's not a it's not a you know, hard and fast rule. I mean, one um, of the directors who has, to me, been able to capture the female gaze best has been Joe Wright. So, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I don't think I'm going to make a, an adapted screenplay case here, but I'll, I'll rattle off the nominees. The nominees were Scent of a Woman, A River Runs Through It, which is a favorite, a friend of the pod, Madison. It's Brad Pitt fly fishing for two hours. Uh, Enchanted April and Howard's End won. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a screenplay case here. But cinematography, cinematography, yeah, beautiful, 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 beautiful movie. Uh, I love the I uh, like the shot at early on where they're crossing that bridge and it's it's very uh, Monet's the one with the the bridge right and the water lilies. Mm-hmm. Like it reminded me a lot of that. Um, the nominees for cinematography were Unforgiven, The Lover, Howard's End, Hoffa, and A River Runs Through at One. Uh, I'm going to take out Hoffa. <laughs> um, a better movie about Hoffa was made a few years ago. Yes. Uh, from a, an up-and-comer, uh, Marty Scorsi. Scorsi? Scorsi? These fucking Italian names, I can't keep track. Uh, but yeah, it is a- Hoffa? Oh, Danny DeVito directed Hoffa! Jesus Christ, Danny. Um... And it's written by David Mamet. <laughs> and Danny DeVito's in it. Is and Jack Nicholson is Jimmy Hoffa. Maybe I spoke too soon on Hoffa, but I'm, I stand by it. Yeah, I don't know what really else to add. You're you're better with the more technical stuff. Is yeah, no, it's gorgeous. You... I mean, yeah. the, these sprawling shots you can't you can't look past. And Daniel mm-hmm. Day Lewis, his galloping through the fields could have looked so stupid if a less um, capable cinematographer was at the mm-hmm. helm. I want to know this the DP who did it, just so I can give a name shout out. I And I can't imagine it's easy to like shoot a movie in the woods like that. No. You're a subject of the elements. So uh, the cinematographer was Dante Spinotti. Uh, he also, uh, I guess a favorite of Michael Mann, cause he also did heat. He did the insider. Uh, this was a Michael Mann, but he did LA confidential. Uh, he's been nominated for two Oscars for the insider and LA confidential. Mm-hmm. So Dante Spinati uh, was the cinematographer on this. Great. Good for him. Good for Dante. It looks like he worked in Italian film too. So what's the, his most recent movie? Oh, he did, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. He did Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yeah. Huh, what an interesting and resume. X- X-Men The Last Stand. That's the worst X-Men movie. No. Of the original trilogy, I guess oh. I should say. Um, interesting. I also want to make an art direction case. Okay. Because uh, I, I, I mentioned earlier, I love the sets. I love the I love how real it feels. Um, and that's because they... From what I read, they built these sets uh, largely with an eye towards that, and they actually built it with, in the st- like with the materials they would have used at the time. Um, and you do have an argument. Oh yeah, I'm taking out toys. Obviously, the nominees were Unforgiven, Toys, uh, a famously horrendous movie. Toys was directed by Barry Levinson, who yes. is the most hit or miss director on the face of the earth. Correct. 
uh, Chaplin, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and Howard's End 1. I think that's all the cases I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. But I- I'm, gl- I'm glad we did this movie. I really am. Even though it's objectively very silly. <laughs> yes. What were your thoughts on the ending? Like the very ending, the closing where they're kind of standing and it's uh, where the father says, you know, I am the last of the Mohicans. First of all, we love a scene where they say the title. <laughs> <laughs> um, If I'm honest, mm-hmm. I was so checked out by the time that once we passed the scene in the waterfall. Sure. I was already pretty exhausted by mm-hmm. it. Um. It just wasn't really my taste, I guess. No, and that's fair. Like, historical fiction doesn't really do it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's not true. And that's okay. I like Pride and Prejudice, and mm-hmm. I like period pieces. But um, I guess that's not true. I just made a statement that's not true. I just guess... I don't... War movies. War movies, Probably yeah. it. Um, yeah. I have a few favorites that I think are really good. Apocalypse Now is one of them. So is Saving Private Ryan. I don't know. I it was fine. I was like, all right. You did mention the waterfall scene. I do want to say I read something. Apparently, Michael Mann reshot that scene nine days before he showed it to people. That's hysterical. Recasting. Okay, if this was made today, who do we want to see? That's the real question, <laughs> right? I don't want a Chris Hemsworth. No, that's too easy. Uh, too Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> Get somebody who'll go fuck off in the woods for a few months. Um, no, Jeremy Strong would be weird in this. I don't like that. <laughs> I just like pictured him for a second. I saw him running through the woods and I was like, no, absolutely not. I saw Kendall Roy Kendall go Roy, L to the yeah. OG. What about uh, Matthew McFadden? Oh, I could get behind that. Ooh, I would like to see that. Yeah, I could. And then Sarah Snook as uh, Cora. I was thinking... Uh, can we just make a Pride and Prejudice? Is it Kira Knightley? Oh, that's good. Let's yeah. mix it up and make it Matt Natalie Portman. <laughs> same um, girl. Different font. Basically the same font. That's just italicized. That's not... <laughs> oh, God. Magua mm-hmm. would be... Uh... Oh, Magua could be... Um, Who's the kid from... Um, I guess Reservation Dogs? Okay, Reservation Dogs is. I was talking about uh, Booksmart. Oh, oh, that kid. He's in. He's in everything these days. He's in Stranger Things. I wouldn't be able to take him seriously. As yeah, a, he's a comedic no. actor. Yeah. yeah. Uh oh, wait, Duncan. Oh, fucking Duncan! When I first saw him, I thought I was like, "Is that Tim Heidecker?" Okay, I see what you mean. Not Tim Heidecker. That's weird. I mean, he was in Us. Like, he can do. I get, but that he's funny in us. I get, yeah, that's true. Kaya Mooney and that Jason Sudeikis sketch. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't mind watching. I don't like Jason. this Miss Thang thing. <laughs> um, um, James Corden. <laughs> uh, I'm happy with that answer. Yeah, perfect. James Corden is Duncan. The idea of Matthew McFadden and. James Corden being in the same movie. Fantastic. It's hysterical. Um yeah. Do you have anything else you wanna you wanna say about this movie? No. I've said what I my piece. Yeah. We opened with Daniel Day Lewis, and that's all that literally is all I had to add. I can double check to see if I had any notes. I believe I only Oh, I said we lost something when Daniel Day retired. Daniel Day Lewis mm. voice. Oh yeah. The Irish accent creeps in at one point. Does anyway, it? Anyway, I, I noticed. And then I also said the cliff. The cliff is insane. Did they just put a dummy off of a cliff? They must have. They must have. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, there were a couple other things. Apparently, Michael Mann was doing like 20 takes per shot. And so 20th Century Fox went and they hired somebody specifically to stand behind him and say, that's enough, Michael. And that was all he did. Um, and apparently there was one night where, like when they were filming at the, uh, fort where it was so sprawling that they had to put speakers like in trees so that like Michael Mann could communicate to everybody all at once. 
and he they were like filming all night long and at one point he started yelling he's like get that orange light out of there what's that orange light and it was the sun (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what to tell you mike (laughs) um but that's all i got on this movie uh thanks for coming on i wonder what ddl thought of him of michael mann yeah it's an interesting pairing so i don't know um what do you got coming up next week? I forget. What did I say? Oh, uh, Midnight Run. Yeah, that'll be fun. Red Run. <laughs> this fucking free association with Caroline. Uh, and I think if I ever did free association with Caroline, I could I could sustain a class like that for hours. Yeah, you do that sometimes. And you just like let you go. It's like kind of a wind up toy. You just gotta <laughs> let you go, and you like run around in circles. <laughs> I'm like a I'm like an eight year old. Yeah. All right. And then in a couple of weeks, uh, your friend Matt's coming on the pod. Oh, he hasn't made a decision yet. No? I'll contact him. Okay. And then you. Um, I may have my next pick. Okay. But I'm gonna give you total veto power, because. It's going to be going back further, like significantly further than we ever have before. Okay. It would be going to the 50s. Is it It's a it Wonderful would be Life? White Christmas. White Christmas. It's a Wonderful Life was a Best, best Picture nominee. You can say no to this. Uh, that's okay. I just, it popped into my head the other day and I looked it up and it had one nomination for uh, original song. And that was, that was it. If you want to. No, I, I no. It's we don't have to. Are you this passionate about this no. film? No, I just know we had talked about doing a Christmas movie at some point, and like that's a classic. And we it's can like, do a. I've never seen it. We don't have to do it. It's really okay, because I'm not like committed to it. So let's okay. not. Okay. So I don't have my next pick then. So okay, I, Christmas movies are harder than Halloween movies. Yeah, because Halloween movies, you can go horror and there's a lot of incredible horror being done out there. Christmas the is tough because they get Christmas schmaltzy movie, so fast. The only other Christmas movie that popped into my head was A Christmas Story. And that even that I wasn't sure if that would be like a snubsworthy movie. Um, so I'll, I'll we might have to go in the realm of is this a Christmas movie? Like, like debate. <laughs> Yeah, like stuff like that. Okay. Like Little Women, I think, is a Christmas movie. Okay, I've never seen it. And that movie. is that was nominated though. Sure. Um, so you might have to get into the realm of that. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, I gotta read the credits. This podcast is produced and co-hosted by Caroline Young and Chris Massarelli. Snubs is executive produced by Gavin Berger with High Tops Media, and our music is composed and produced by Christian Labrie. You can rate and review Snubs on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at SnubsPod. And see more of our content with High Tops Media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at High Tops Media. Christopher, as always, it is so lovely to see you. I love you lots. I love you too. All right. I'll see you next week.